Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I'm so excited that you are here, and I'm so excited that I'm able to share with you another installment of my memoir. So today, I want to read you a little something from the very last part of the memoir. It's entitled, I Died at 30. So here we go. Unfortunately for Mary, I was out shopping when Mama called. Mary was on the phone with her for an hour and a half while Mama blamed her and accused her of turning me gay. When I got home, Mary told me that Mama was waiting to hear from me. My heart skipped a beat. My stomach flipped. A feeling of dread came over me as I dialed the number. Mama answered, hello. Hey, Mama, it's Midge. We got your letter. I can't believe you did this to us. How selfish. You know your father threw it across the room and hasn't spoken about it since. I know you aren't gay. It's just because you like Mary so much. You need to move away from her. You aren't gay. I am gay, Mama. This has nothing to do with Mary. I had a crush in middle school and I had a crush in college. You were engaged. You loved Henry. Yes, that's true. But the engagement was a panic move. Henry and I do love each other, but not in that way. I don't believe it. And you are going to hell for this. You can't go to heaven if you're gay. That's an abomination. Then I guess I'm going to hell because this is who I am. And I am learning that the Bible may not say that for sure. Then you better read it again because it is right there in black and white. Well, I love you, Mama, but I don't know what else to say. You have broken our hearts. And she hung up. A few weeks later, Polly gave birth to her first son. Mary and I showed up to support her. Our first nephew got stuck in the birth canal, and Polly lost so much blood she required emergency surgery. I called home. Daddy answered the phone and refused to talk to me when he heard my voice on the line. I called back three times, and he hung up on me every time. On the fourth call, I blurted out, Polly is dying, before he had a chance to hang up on me. He handed the phone to Mama. The next day, my mom and dad showed up at the hospital to see Polly. I knew that they were coming and was scared to death to see them. I was sitting in Polly's room when they walked in. Both of them stared at me and then looked past me to talk to Polly. My breathing was shallow and I stayed quiet. After talking with Polly, my dad turned back to me and said, Have you eaten? No. Come with us. Where are we going? I really didn't trust where they would take me. Where do you think? The cafeteria. I followed them out of the room and hoped that we really were going to the cafeteria. I had heard stories from friends whose families kidnapped them and put them into psychiatric placements. We got to the cafeteria, and my parents talked about Polly and never brought up my letter. I was too scared to bring it up. The entire time, I was waiting for something bad to happen. My stomach was cramping, so I only ordered a drink, which Daddy challenged. Why aren't you ordering food? You know I hate hospitals. 
I just thought I'd come down to visit with you, but I'm not really hungry. He stared at me and then ordered what he and Mama wanted. Even swallowing the liquid was hard during that unbearably awkward visit. So that part of the memoir is talking about me just coming out to myself, to people that I knew. Um, and it was something that was very difficult for me, of course, to adjust to for myself. And I, I know, because we've talked about this with other guests, that you know families need a beat. They need to kind of be able to process things too, because they had a complete different vision of who I was. Even though my mom, all through you know, elementary school and high school was asking me if I was gay, uh, and even through college. Um, and I, I kept saying no, because I really didn't think I was. <laughs> um, but she, you know, she just kept having this understanding that I was different, but couldn't put her finger on it, and would ask that question. But I don't think she ever really wanted to believe it or know it. And when she finally heard from my sister, who before the before I read that selection, what happened was that my sister took it upon herself to tell them they needed to call me because I hadn't heard from them since I had written them a letter telling them that I was gay, which was not what she needed to do. And I told her that, but she she did it anyway. So um, we were left with the backlash of what they wanted to say before they had time to process. So that's why it's really important for us to be able to back up you know, away from the folks that we're coming out to and just give them space, you know, just, just let it land where you want it to land, but they're going to do with that, with what they need to do with it. It's a process. It's a process for us. I mean, it took me 30 years to get to it, you know, <laughs> and I can't expect them to just open arm me with all the bigotry and the homophobia they had. Now, there are some parents that can. I mean, they're they're open, they're affirming, they know their child is probably, you know, not going to be straight, and they, they give them time to go through that process themselves, and then they're ready. They're so ready and open when their child comes out to them. Although, if you remember, we've had a guest on here who, um, you know, just couldn't be open and affirming to their child, um, and that was because of the religious stuff. So when you come from a religious family, um, you know, down home religion family, uh, they're not going to be open and affirming. And we have to be prepared that even though they love us, they're fearful for us and they don't know what to do with it. So we have to give them some, some space. And if Polly had been able to do that for me, um, we might've gotten a different reaction, but, but probably not because I don't think they ever would have believed and affirmed us as you know, a couple that was not going to hell. Now, as it turns out, you know, I was always in relationship with my family, although it was extremely awkward and uncomfortable at times, and it was unbearable at times, especially through holidays. And my dad was very, very touchy about the fact that he didn't want it uh, put up in his face. Don't shove it down my throat, he would say. And so even if I inadvertently touched you know, my beloved on the arm while I was talking, which you do a lot with people, but because he knew that we were gay, any, any kind of touch or any kind of innuendo, uh, innuendo that I was gay, he couldn't handle it. And he would get really angry and, and yell 
don't shove that down my throat. Um, so we had to be so super careful and we chose to be, um, Mary was very patient with me needing to be still in relationship with my family, even though there were times that I threatened not to be because it was just too hard. But you know, that that's that piece of me that still wanted love and connection and acceptance. And I think that word acceptance is such a, a sad word because we shouldn't have to be accepted by anyone. We should just be loved by people and acceptance should kind of come with that. But we, we crave the acceptance from our families in a way that's toxic, really. <laughs> you know, we're not doing it for us. It's toxic in that we, we are being hurt by loving our families when they can't love us the way we deserve to be loved. And we all make a decision on how we are going to go forward with that. Some people can write off their family and walk away and never think about it again. I'm an Enneagram uh, 2, and I have a big, super empathic heart, and I care about everything that people think about me, and I care about pleasing them, and I care about doing the right thing, and it's something that I'm aware of, and I'm just now trying to figure out how to live with that and, and also meet my needs and still be who I am because this is always a, the way I've been. In this situation, though, had I been able to distance myself from my family and not continue to be um, put in a box and not be allowed to be who I needed to be and just be free with that, I mean, it was always tension uh, for every holiday, for every birthday, for whenever we were together, there was this tension of don't touch her, don't say anything out of the way, don't call her honey. Don't. It was all of these boxes that we got put into, and it was excruciating, just excruciating. So, in this in this segment that I read for you, it was it came with a lot of pain and a lot of fear, and I just broke when I. Re rewrote that section to include that because I had wanted to put that away for so long. I didn't want to ever bring that back up. I didn't want to feel that tension again. Um, but I'm glad that I did. I'm glad that I revisited that because it reminds me that we all deserve to be treated with respect. And it reminds me that we all have a place in us that deserves to walk away if we need to. And some of us can, and some of us can't. And when we choose to stay, finding some way to be able to navigate that so that how you show up is still authentic and you don't get put in that box so much to the place where you start doubting yourself again. One of the things that evolved with my family was that I was not allowed to go to the family reunions because my father wanted to put me in a box and he wanted to say, you can come to the family reunion, but you're not allowed to talk about Mary. You're not allowed to talk about being gay, you know, just avoid the questions or, or lie, basically lie about who I was. I'm, I'm now 30 <laughs> plus years old and I'm going to, I'm going to say that I don't have a relationship and I don't have a life and I don't have a family. And yet I did. And so I went to one early on and then it was so horrible and people would kept coming up. You're not dating yet. You don't have, a, you don't have a boyfriend. You don't have a husband, you know, all these questions. 
that I deflected all day long. And the next year that the family reunion came around, I said to him, you know, I'm not going to lie. And he said, then you best not come. And so I didn't. Now, I could have gone ahead and put myself back in that box, but that was a line that I drew for myself, and I was not going to do it. I let them answer all the questions. Well, where's Midge? And why didn't she come? And oh, what's going on with Midge? And I don't know how they answered those questions, but I know they didn't tell the truth. And so who knows what what reason they gave for why I wasn't at reunion number two or reunion number three. Um, and then I think I've mentioned in one of the podcasts before that by the time my dad was dying and he knew he was dying with emphysema, that he wanted to have another family reunion so he could reconnect with everybody. And he again said, I need you to come to this reunion. And I reminded him of why I wasn't coming to reunions. And he says, well, you just need to show up and bring your family. And then he died before he got the reunion. But uh, I saw that as maybe a little piece of growth for him. And I was I appreciated that. Um, and yet it it's bittersweet. Because by the time he was ready to allow my family to come to their reunion, um, it didn't happen. And so I appreciate the offer, but I still have the pain of missing out on the others because of his inability to be open and affirming and also to be proud of who I am and want to have me at the family reunion. Now, everybody else would have been just like my daddy. So none of them on that side of the family at all approve of me. There are probably a couple of family members from on my mom's side that was more open, has been more open and affirming. And um, I have some gay cousins. So, you know, that's good that, you know, I have, I have some maternal folks who are kind of understanding me, but it's, it's a very difficult, painful journey to come through that. And it's difficult to remember, but doing this memoir, is something that has been life-changing for me because some of those old wounds that I thought I had dealt with were not dealt with when I started writing it out. So I'm really glad that I've had this opportunity to revisit the pain that always will resonate in us, but it doesn't have to own us. So the pain will always resonate, but it doesn't have to own us. And what I mean by that is that I will always feel sadness for some of the things I've been through in my life, and some of that runs very deep. However, it is not going to be the thing that changes who I am. It's not going to silence me. It's not going to stop me from, from participating in pride. It's not going to stop me from being able to be gay with God. And it did for so many years. It messed with my brain. But not anymore. Now I am a Christian. I am deepening my relationship with God. I'm expanding my understanding of God. I'm still able to be authentically gay and, and love the God of my understanding. And that that's brilliant. <laughs> that's just brilliant for me to have come through this whole entire journey and finally be able to get to this place where I am authentically me. And it feels so good. It feels so good to be gay and to be in a relationship with the God of my understanding. So thank you for listening to that segment of the um, memoir. And I can't wait to bring it to you again um, and to have it done. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm waiting for it to be done, but I'm ahead of schedule, which is good news. I still think the launch date will be in October of 2023, but that is fast approaching if you know how thing, how time flies. So it's fast approaching. So I do appreciate uh, everything that you guys um, do when you show up to support the podcast. It it really warms my heart to have you on my team, so to speak. And I love your comments and I love just how, how approachable uh, you've been through this whole process. So I want to thank you for honoring my faith journey and my coming out story each week. And I want to thank you for supporting and sharing and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want more information about how to connect with me, you can go to the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Also check out our Facebook group, Gay With God, where we do a monthly group entitled My Faith Journey. And if you need support and help through your own coming out or faith journey, go back to that show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and see how you can connect with me and receive some coaching. Also, you'll be able to find the link there for the Ask Me Anythings that I'm doing every month to uh, keep the buzz going about the Gay With God memoir. And the next installment of that will be April 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So to get that Zoom link to join live um, for the Ask Me Anything where I will be doing little segments from the memoir or from the untold stories, the stories that didn't get into the book and nobody will ever read them, but you guys will have access to that. If you come to the ask me anything, um, that's going to be April 13th, 7 PM Eastern standard time. And you can get that zoom link at the gay with God Facebook group, or you can also get it on my personal Facebook page. So thank you everybody. Um, if you are listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQI plus or not even sure yet, if you're gay, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the gay with God community. And as always, you are loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4 a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.